Welcome to the Apostles Houston podcast, and thanks for listening. As a community following Jesus in Houston, we want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do the kinds of things Jesus did. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we invite you to join us for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. in Houston Heights. For more information, visit us online at ApostlesHouston.org. Thank you so much. Good morning. Thank you so much, David. Grateful to have you all in worship with us this morning. If this is your first time, welcome. If it's uh, not, welcome back. You're not only welcomed here, you're wanted here, and we're grateful to see you this morning. Now, if you were here in November of last year, I preached this same passage from Mark's telling in chapter 4, verses uh, 35 through 41. So obviously, I didn't get the message the Lord was trying to communicate to me last November. So in God's divine providence, he led David to give me this passage to preach again during the summer. And so here we are back with this passage. So if you heard it in November, it's going to be a review. But this weekend, I'm coming from the Gospel of Luke, who tells it a little bit differently and a little more succinctly. And so we're going to go back to this passage again. So you're going to hear it afresh and anew. But uh, also, if you've forgotten what I said back in November, listen, guess what? You get the replay, all right? So let's bow our heads in a word of prayer, asking God to prepare our hearts and minds to not only hear his word, and receive it, but to be doers of his word. Lord, it's your spirit that does the work. It's your spirit who produces the fruit. Now we ask that your Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, that he will teach us and that he will transform us as your son Jesus Christ is formed in us. We ask it all in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. So let me ask you, same question I asked uh, nearly a year ago. Have you ever felt like a spiritual failure? Maybe you've said to yourself, I need to read the Bible more. I need to make more time to pray and and throw in some fasting or I need to give more. I need to give more of myself and my time and my resources or I need to get serious about my personal spiritual formation. I I, I don't want to just be uh, uh, an intellectual believer. I want my faith to really have hands and feet. And at some point, all of us have dealt with that place and space in our lives. Well, we always feel like, well, I need to do a little more. But what we learn in this passage, what I I was reminded in this passage this morning is that life does not depend on my, the consistency of my faith. Life depends on the consistency of God's faithfulness. 
That's, that's the point that I believe that Luke and Matthew and Mark, all of the synoptic gospels are trying to communicate to us this morning that if we would be honest, we are not consistent in our faith in God. Sometimes we're uh, 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 humming along and we're walking with God and we feel confident and assured like we can speak to the mountain and the mountain can move. And then by the end of that same day, we've experienced life and we feel like I'm, I'm under the mountain. Sometimes we believe and we're confident in God and we speak with authority and at other times we're questioning everything. And the good news for us is that even though we are inconsistent in our faith in God and if we would be honest, all of us are at some time in our lives. The good news is that even though we are inconsistent in our our faith, God is consistent in his faithfulness. That's the good news of the gospel. Jesus, along with his disciples, are traveling, we read, David read for us, across the Sea of Galilee, which is really a lake, when suddenly out of nowhere a violent storm hits and threatens to destroy the boat and them in it. And all the while the wind's blowing, the boat rocking, and the waters are crashing, and Jesus manages to stay asleep on a cushion. Now think of, think of all the worries that might have kept Jesus awake. He could worry about his family who thought he was crazy. He could worry about the overwhelming crowds with their overwhelming needs. He, he could worry about the disciples he chose. And you know, when we think of Peter and Judas, he should be worried. He could worry about the future because he knew what his destiny was. But listen, with all the things to worry about, Jesus wasn't worried. <laughs> He wasn't worried. In fact, he was so unworried that he went to sleep on a rocking boat. And you know what the Bible says? You, you read it. They wake him up scared and panicked with a mild rebuke. Listen, listen at the creation rebuking the creator. Teacher. Or Luke says, Master, Master, don't you care that we are perishing? We're dying here. And Jesus, in turn, wakes up, rebukes the wind with two words, peace, in English three, be still. Listen to what he says. In Aramaic, the language Jesus spoke, it's peace, submit to the will of God. That's what Jesus is saying to this wind and to this water. He's saying to this wind and to this water, peace, submit to the will of God. The same terminology was used when Jesus rebuked and silenced demons. This is why this is significant. Because this was a spiritual battle as much as a weather crisis. 
So when we leave here, I want you all to go out and say to the heat and the humidity, peace, submit to to the will of God. Jesus addressed the raging storm as a force threatening his disciples, his followers. And and the force of the sea was muzzled as Jesus subdued it with his sovereign word of authority. It's believed that this gale of wind and ferocious tempest was demonic in nature as Jesus, as we learned and David mentioned last week, was about to confront a powerful principality on the other side of the lake, if you read Mark 5. And Jesus would not have rebuked the storm if it was from God. The devil knew that if Jesus crossed to the other side, he would cast out the pack of demons that had long terrorized the entire region. And in Mark's telling of this, he writes that it went, watch this, from a mega storm to a mega calm. Then Jesus turns from rebuking the wind and the water and he turns to rebuke his disciples. He asked them, why are you afraid like this? It's one thing to read Jesus saying this to the disciples in the first century. It's another thing for Jesus, you to hear him saying that to you in whatever storm you might be in. It's Jesus asking you, why are you afraid like this? Don't you have any faith? How can you be so afraid? Or as another version puts it, I love this. After all you've seen, where is your faith? Boy, that's personal. Because if you're like me and David who are slowly encroaching 50, we are getting to have a lot of time behind us to see things. You know I wasn't going to let you be by yourself, yes. But I thought about that as I was dealing, this passage was dealing with me. I started thinking that when I come upon crisis each week or month or however, I start thinking about after all I've seen God do in my life and after all I've seen God do in the life of others, the question is, why don't I have any faith? They had been with Jesus since he set out after his baptism and the temptation in the wilderness long enough listening to him teach and watching Jesus heal all kinds of sick people and cast out demons. But to know that he could control nature was a different story. 
Kira, uh, uh, Alicia and I are reading Holier Than Thou by Jackie Hill Perry. It's a great book. And she says something about this passage. She says, it's comical how unbelief works. How it made them think Jesus was unconcerned about their lives when he'd come to earth to save it in the first place. They had everything necessary to believe. To begin with, they had Jesus' promise that they were indeed going to the other side. He says it in verse 22. You read it. Did you see it? He said 11 words. Let us go across to the other side. Now, you would miss that reading if you don't recognize who's saying it. If you don't don't recognize who's saying the words, the words are going to be insignificant. But when you recognize who's saying the words, it's just like the person in Genesis 1 who says, in the beginning, let us create heaven and earth. And when you know who Jesus is, it takes you right back to Genesis 1, the person who said, God, the father who said, let us create man and, and, and heaven and earth and water and fish and animals started walking bees are buzzing, birds are chirping. Listen, listen, the same God who said in the beginning is the same God who speaks to these disciples and said, let us go over to the other side. That's how sure this word is, not because of who says it. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. God in one of our uniforms. And if the disciples would have recognized that, that, that even though they're in a storm, if they would have remembered who Jesus was and recognized who he was and remembered what he said, they would have had peace. They had his promise. Listen, listen. This wasn't a bad situation that they had gotten themselves into like Jonah who was running away from God. You remember? This was Jesus's idea. Jesus invites them. Listen, listen at this. They didn't even really need to use a boat to go from the west side to the east side. They could have taken ground travel. Yet we will never learn who God is if we don't trust his word. I'm talking about moving from intellectually knowing, believing, accepting, to it becoming a deep, beyond a shadow of a doubt, not because I feel that it's true, but because it's objectively true. You'll never learn who God is if you don't trust his word. Every, here's what I said the last time, and I'm saying again. Every Christian wants to see a miracle, but doesn't want to be in a position where they need a miracle. But listen, we have the assurance of God's word. 
That's what you have. That's what I have. We, we, listen, when we spend time in God's word, and that's what I want to encourage you to do. Th- th- listen, if you spend time God in God's word, you'll learn more about him and about you. And that's why Isaiah says, listen, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, hallelujah, shall stand forever. That's good news in a world that's constantly changing, where, where, where words are being redefined. The good news for us is we have the unshakable, uh, 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 infallible, inspired, inerrant word of God that the weather changed. And and I'm begging God, let it be cool and and breezy. uh, 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 But but, but weather changes. Listen, when when I started preaching 30 years ago as a young pastor, I was thinner. I had a head full of of hair. I didn't have any gray. I was looking in the mirror this morning, uh, uh, Ryan, and I was almost in tears because I saw, oh my God, I'm getting gray hair in my eyebrows. I'm going off the cliff. <laughs> You've changed. The way you looked at, th- your perspective has changed. But the good news that we have the unchanging word of God. What are you building your life on? Are you building your life on sinking, shifting sand? Or are you building your life on the word of God? They had his promise. And I've been thinking about this a lot because Satan only has one strategy. Only one. He doesn't have two or three. He he doesn't have a new and an old. He only has one, and that's deception. That's the only one. He doesn't want you and I to believe the word of God. He wants us to say and hear things like, well, you can't trust the Bible because it was written by man. And my answer to that, well, who else was going to write it? Because if a chicken or a dog or a camel or a horse rode it, then I can understand how you would be squeamish. But God inspired men who never met over a period of 14 or 1500 years to write one story about one person living in different parts of the world at different times and all, every single one of them talk about the same person, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's what you and I have. We have God's promise. Things are going to change. They're going to get worse and they're going to get worse for people who follow Jesus Christ. But the good news is that even though there may be wind and there may be storm, we have the promise of Jesus. Secondly, they had the Lord's presence. They had already seen his power demonstrated in his miracles, so they should have had complete confidence that he could handle the situation, and yet for some reason, lack of faith, they had not fully realized who Jesus 
was. They were spiritually blind to the reality that it was God in the boat with them. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Listen, listen, they knew Psalm 23. Verse four, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear, nor e- fear no evil for you are with me. They had sung, they had sang in, 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 in temple, Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. They knew Psalm 121, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. But, 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 but God's covenant promise to his people has always been his presence. They had his presence. And this is, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is important because you're not gonna always and you don't have to always feel God's present for God to be present. Because I know we live in this age and I, I pay, I'm, on, I'm on social media. I'm on a little, I got a little Facebook and I'm on a little uh, Instagram. So I see, I, I can tell by the ag- algorithms what people are thinking. And some of it is hokey and questionable. And man, Lord, we need Jesus. I mean, bad. <laughs> and, 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 and I know everybody is always uh, in their feelings. You know what breaks up marriages? Two things. Not irreconcilable differences. That's crap. That's something lawyers made up. (laughs) Two things that break up marriages and break up all relationships are number one, immaturity. One or both of the persons don't want to grow up. That's what breaks up marriages. No no such thing. Irreconcilable. What is that? The, the reason why you got married is because you were different. If both of you were the same, one of you would be useless. <laughs> Immaturity. And then, then the second thing that breaks up marriages and relationships is inflexibility. You don't want to change. You want the other person to change. You don't want to change. Your marriages, your friendships, your relationships are in jeopardy or have broken up or are fractured because of immaturity on your or both of your parts or inflexibility on your both of your parts because we only operate in our feelings. Feelings are gauges, not guides. That's good. He promises his presence and the peace that surpasses all understanding isn't always God delivering you from the storm. Sometimes his peace that surpasses all understanding is his presence with you in the storm. Don't mishear that. Raw cookie dough is good, but baked cookie is even better. And some folk don't want the heat. And I'm talking to Christians. You don't want the heat, but following Jesus Christ comes with some heat. They had Jesus' presence, but 
Finally, they had Jesus' perfect peace. Jesus was in God's will in this storm. The disciples were in God's will. They had obediently followed Jesus Christ. And Jesus knew that the Father would take care of him, so he took a nap. Unlike Jonah, who was sleeping with a false sense of security, Jesus rested. He was physically tired from teaching all day, so he went to sleep. Jesus went to sleep because he was completely secure in God's will. Listen, the disciples should have known that God the Father would not allow his Messiah to perish in a boat crossing the Sea of Galilee. The story of Jesus could not possibly end with him drowning in a boat accident on the Sea of Galilee. That's not how the story was going to end. They had Jesus' peace. Do you know that peace today? Now, I'm not talking about the absence of conflict peace because there's always going to be conflict. I'm talking about the Arene or the shalom of God where you con- you're confident in him to make you whole. Another thing I see on Facebook and Instagram, I hear people, they post this comment, I'm just doing everything I can to protect my peace. I've just got to protect my peace. And I'm always taken aback by that, uh, Leo, because it irritates me. Because you know what? If I got a peace that I have to protect, then that's a weak peace. And I'm working all the time then. I don't want a peace that I've got to protect. When you and I have a peace who's a person who protects us. If you're following Jesus, that's who you have. You have the peace of God. You have the God of peace who's protecting you. And that's why, like Jesus, you can sleep in a storm and not be worried or alarmed or stressed or flustered or depressed or discouraged or confused. You have the peace of God that protects you. Start living in it. It's a gift you got. Open up that gift. Put it on. Wear it. I don't want any gifts that I just look at. I want all gifts that are practical and I can use. Like, if you give me a gift, give me a gift card. Because I already know what I want. (laughs) Something I can, you know, Utility. I can, I can do something with it. Peace I leave with you, Jesus says. 
My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Despite their failure and the abundant presence of fear and the complete absence of faith, Jesus calmed the storm with his word. But the Bible says the disciples still feared. Now listen, a friendly, familiar human Jesus they wanted, but not the supernatural son of God. And this narrative in Matthew, Mark, and Luke is written to remind us of Jonah, another prophet who, just like Jesus, was heading into Gentile territory. The Sea of Galilee separated Jew and Gentile territory. Both Jesus and Jonah slept in the storm. Both were awakened by scared sailors who asked, don't you care? And the phrase, the wind ceased and there was a great calm is the exact same phrase we read in Jonah 1. When he was thrown into the sea, Jonah calmed the sea by jumping into it. And Jesus calms the sea by speaking to it because he's God. Jesus is the true and better Jonah. Jesus created the wind and the water and the wood for the boat and the fishermen in the boat. And they all obey him and believe him except the disciples because they know the voice of their creator. So let me ask you the question. How often in the trials of life have we like these first fearful and faithless disciples? How many times have you asked, Lord, where are you? Lord, why me? Lord, do you care? And the answer is a resounding, of course he cares. Just like he arose from the sleep of death, defeating it and hell and the grave, he still speaks the word of peace that we so desperately need. The problem with the disciples and us is that our greatest problems are not around us, but within us. The good news for us is that although we are spiritually inadequate and more often than we'd like to admit that we have no faith. The good news is our deliverance, our rescue, the provision that you need has nothing to do with the adequacy of your faith, but in the security that resides in Jesus.
the Lord of the storms who silences, the psalm says, the roaring waves and the tumults of the people. Listen, hear this. Life does not depend on the consistency of your faith because you aren't consistent in your faith. But Paul says to Timothy, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. Life depends on God's faithfulness to us through Jesus Christ. We're encountering this Jesus who has revealed himself to us as the God who not only has power over sickness and disease and demons and they listen and they obey, but he also has power and authority over the wind and the waves, the natural element and the people that should believe in him have no confidence in him because they don't recognize him. And yet, in spite of the inadequacy of their faith, the inconsistency of their faith, Great is thy faithfulness. Oh God, our Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. All I've needed, I didn't even know I needed it. Your hands provided. You blessed the place that I work so they could have business, so they could stay in business, so I could take care of my family. You provide the resources, but I freak out when the resources start dwindling because I think the resources are the Savior and not the source is the Savior. I panic, I worry, I stress, I stop eating, I can't focus, I can't concentrate. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Life doesn't depend on the consistency of our faith but on the consistency of the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you're in a storm this week? Are you going into a storm? Are you coming out of a storm? You're somewhere around a storm. The Lord is with you. Turn to him. Believe him. Trust him. Be confident in him. And if you're not, he's still faithful. Thank God. Lord, it's your spirit that does the work. It's your spirit that produces the fruit. The gift of faith. We can't even muster up faith on our own. We don't bring anything to the table but our sin. And you give us the gift of faith. Help us this week, today, as we come to this table to put our faith again in you who comes and invites us to the table and provides everything that we need, the, the bread and the wine, the forgiveness and the mercy. Teach us until Jesus Christ is formed in us. 
transform us by the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask it all in the strong name of Jesus, who is the Christ. The believer said, Amen. Thanks again for listening. We hope this resource has been helpful to you. If you have questions or are just looking for more information, you can check out our website at apostleshouston.org.